When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Josh Olson, and you're about to hear a wonderful interview with the great Dana Gould. Uh, but I have to say something up front. I think we may have pulled it off last week, but it will be pretty much impossible to notice as you listen to this one that this show has to have been recorded some time ago. By the time we get to jokes about Hugh Hefner's sex life, uh, it may occur to you that Hugh has now been dead for several months. So I'll cop to it. We recorded this episode several months ago. Uh, in the interim, Hugh Hefner and I believe several other people we discuss have sadly passed away. However, the interview was so good and Dana was so funny, we felt it would be inappropriate and just wrong to uh, cut them. So please be generous when we are making terrible, terrible, terrible jokes about people who are no longer with us, that when they were being made, they were with us and fair game. Here it is, our interview with Dana Gould. <laughs> Um, uh, um, oh, good. Good start. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like those podcasts where they just sort of, they're in the middle of a conversation. Way to go, Mr. Morrow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Josh Olson, and you're listening to The Movies That Made Me, the official podcast of Trailers from Hell. Our fearless leader, Joe Dante, is uh, here in the studio with us um, to help us out when we all forget the names of movies and the people who were key grips on them. But uh, our guest, I'm really, really thrilled to have a very, very great comedian. I mean, I, I almost feel like I should have asked you beforehand, can I call you that? Because you do everything. Yeah, no, that's what I do. I'm a comedian who does other stuff. There you go. Is is uh, the great Dana Gould. Um, a renaissance, as as a renaissance say, comedian. Yes. A renaissance comedian. As long yes. as you start with the great. The great. It's all right. <laughs> uh, I tell that to my wife. She doesn't yeah. care. Um, Which is fastly a synonym for the not dead, still showing up, Dana Gould. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think, and I, I want to, you know, the thing that's hard about the show is we, we try to do the interview that you haven't had to give 500 times mm -hmm. before. But I'll run it through brief. I mean, obviously, you've you've been a writer and producer on The Simpsons. I I remember you from, I think, a show that people don't talk about as much as as they should because it was such it was Ground Zero before there was a Ground Zero. Ben You'll know Stiller? what I'm talking about. The Ben Stiller yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I um, I thought we were ahead of the curve. You were, yeah. No Stiller show. No Mister Show. No Mister Show. No. Well, that's absolutely true because yeah. Bob and David met on the Ben Stiller show. I was there when they met. Um, and uh, yeah, Mister Show is sort of what the Ben Stiller show would have. Yeah. You know, that's the second season of the Ben Stiller show. No, that's yeah. the, it was so clear and and all that stuff was amazing. Um, you're now the creator of the IFC show Stand Against Evil, mm -hmm. which is going into its second season. You run... Uh, it's too uh, successful to be here. Uh, yeah, no, he runs a, a <laughs> dishonest podcast, though. Yeah. He runs the Dana Gould Hour, which I couldn't find one that was less than two hours. 
No, they're all they're all somewhat under three. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that. That disturbs me. And then you have uh, an album about to come out, correct? Right. But everything you've mentioned, yes, doesn't pay. <laughs> it's like what? Like I finally have a TV show, and it's right at that point where having a TV show won't cover your year. I, you know, I also have three kids in private school, so it's like oh, I'm geez. also working at Uncle Lucky's Chuckle Hutch next weekend. I'm still out there slinging hash. Uh, well, I, I, um, I'm thrilled to have you here. Uh, you're obviously, um, uh, cause I, I know for having seen enough of your work over the years that you at least see movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's... <laughs> and we are, we are allegedly a movie podcast of sorts. I got into comedy. I, it was, the, it was the dumbest thing. I wanted to be in horror movies. That's what I wanted to do as a kid. I wanted to be. Peter Cushing or whoever, like, like I, you know, like, that, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in movies, but I only wanted to be in the kind of movies that I liked, which was like horror and science fiction movies. <laughs> Isn't that everybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I came here to write movies I don't like. Right. And what I that's thought nice. was, this was what I thought. I will go out and, and I, but I was always funny. Everybody in my family is really funny. And, and, and being a comedian was like a, a non-starter. Uh, not a non-starter. It was the opposite of a non-starter. It was... Obvious. Not being a comedian was a non-starter. Right. I'll be a comedian, and by being a successful comedian, I'll become a movie star. And then once I'm a movie star, I will have enough clout that I can write horror movies that I can then cast myself in. And it was the, it was sort of like, I want to be a pastry chef. And if I'm elected to the U.S. Senate, <laughs> they will have to let me bake anything I want. <laughs> it was the most back-ass way of going about it. <laughs> but, but oddly, it took a long time, but that's... Pretty much exactly what ended up happening. Stand Against Evil is absolutely, I finally <laughs> became famous. I got a show. I wrote myself a part on it. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, isn't that really, I mean, is that's why everyone does it secretly, isn't it? Didn't we all start, you know, if you were, if you came into this business with a dream as a kid, secretly you wanted to be like Paul Newman or something. Well, you, I mean, you you certainly wanted to be the people that you saw. Yeah, you I, didn't wa- I didn't want to be. I wanted to be Dwight Fry. Like, I, like, I wanted to be the weird guy that comes can in. Can I thank you? Because I've been shit. sitting here for five minutes and all I can think is Dwight Fry. You would be a great man. And I thought, you can't say that to a man. But but then you said, you're, yes. You, yeah, no, that's that's what I do on Stand Against Evil. I'm, the, I'm the guy that is the uh, the caretaker of the cemetery. Fantastic. And that, that's all I want to do. I come in, be weird, get a laugh, and leave. That's that's all, all I ever wanted Just to like do. Dwight. Just like exactly. Dwight. Exactly. Exactly. A very underrated actor, Dwight. Can you do the laugh? So. Yeah. Yeah. But very in in uh, in Dracula, especially in 1931, he gives a very modern performance in an otherwise very mannered film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like Bela Lugosi and all, they're so theatrical, and he's the only one going, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> like he's, he's a very well. Uh, the same same is true in Frankenstein. Absolutely, yeah. he stops to pull up his socks. Yeah, yeah. Like, people didn't do that then. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. It's fun watching those guys give those kind of more modern performances. He had a uh, a very checkered career, unfortunately. I mean, his he's in a lot of movies, but always, almost always in small parts. Every so often, there was a crime of Doctor Crispy where he was like the leading man, but for the most part, no. And then, you know, he he uh, he died. in, on a bus. On a bus, yeah. uh, coming from a, a, I guess he, he'd taken his kid to the movies, or they were going to a munitions movie or something, and yeah. and he, he passed away on the bus. And he was just working at an aircraft yeah. factory in Long Beach, yeah. and he put as, uh, he was listed as occupation at that point as toolmaker, mm-hmm. an actor, second or third. Oh, yeah. Christian oh. scientist, though. 
Didn't go. Had a heart condition. Didn't go to the doctor. Ah, well, go yeah. to the doctor. Uh, yeah. Well, if the doctor's lying a lot, well, maybe you don't. <laughs> go anyway. Come in. I'm Doctor Toe Sucker. What? <laughs> Why did they do Vincent Price when I was trying to do Lionel Atwell? I love that I'm in a room with famed, two people. Famed Hollywood orgy master Lionel Atwell. <laughs> you know they don't have those anymore. That's like the orgy master. The orgy. Is a, yeah, that is a, that is a, a promotion level that went out with Sky Cadet. That's because of TMZ. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if this gets, I mean. I'm just, I, I, I was trying to say earlier, I'm, I'm amazed to be sitting in a room with two people who know where and how Dwight Fry died. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you, you come to this town because you're, obviously all of us were the, we've the biggest a, fish in our tiny little we've ponds. We've come to avenge Dwight. And then you get here and you meet Joe Dante who knows everything and then you're, it's. You're, yeah, you're, I'm not a patch on you guys. It's, it's, uh, well, I didn't know about Dwight Fry in the box. We just pick up these little bits of trivia. Yeah. Um. If you read Famous Monsters, you know all that. Exactly. Oh, right. yeah, and uh, sure. very sad to say. Um, oh, Basil Gogo's past. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the artist who, night, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's too who painted most brilliant. of the covers. He yeah, did. He's great. Brilliant. Um, you know, give people I, an idea of when we recorded this. I was once asked to, yeah. to write a piece about uh, Basil Gogo's, and I mistakenly thought that they had asked for a piece on Basil Wolverton. Oh, and so I wrote this piece about all these bizarre covers that he'd done for Mad Magazine and stuff, and they they said, "This is not the right Basil." <laughs> I, so I I don't know what ever happened to it. But they were That's very, they were very upset I just with I did want to ask Dana when you came up with the Church Lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get that. Well, um, it used to be I would go to the Improv, and it was at the height of, of Dane Cook's fame, it would be like, "We have a special drop in. Uh, please welcome Dane." <gasps> nah. Oh. <laughs> And then they wait for the Carby ghoul. Oh, the double letdown. Oh, uh, dear. I have, a, I have a Dane Cook story. Lucky anyway. you. <laughs> it's, it's got nothing to do with Dane Cook. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so where was I? Oh, yes. Uh, so we're thrilled to have you. Thanks. Oh, that's um, right. That was, that was a while back. That's, that was a while back. Yeah, we're still thrilled. We're still thrilled, even after all that uh, yeah, actionable, all libel. libelous material. Um uh, so yeah, one of the things you know, it, it's it's I guess at the core of it, the show is trying to sort of get at um, uh, you know how how movies affected us coming up and maybe played a part in turning you into who you are or didn't. Obviously, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, but but um, when I was getting ready for this you know, sort of going through kind of my, my memories of things I'd seen of you and, and going through some stuff and coming, uh, running into the wall of, oh my God, this guy does everything, um, which I was much relieved. I heard you on Marin uh, a while back where you uh, acknowledged that you're a guy who does everything and, and is good at it, which is, I think, loathsome. Um, <laughs> I don't think I said that. No, no, no. He did. He yeah. did. And and but you know you, you accepted it as you should. It's harder to hit a moving target. Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> but it, but it is it, it it made it harder to kind of zero in on a kind of thematic uh, for the show and tying in which films. aspect of his complex personality. Yeah, which exactly right. So um, uh, I asked Dana to come in um, with a couple of lists, and one being kind of. Uh, just sort of a list of five favorite movies, not necessarily his all-time five favorite, and kind of walk us through those. And then uh, another list of five movies that he thinks perhaps people ought to be more 
aware of and familiar with. So we'll get to know his kind of cinematic taste through the first one, if that's mm-hmm. okay, and then kind of talk about the others. And then uh, obviously Joe and I will chime in if we have any idea what he's talking about, and Joe will tell you who the best boy was on all of I will them. Not, I, I will not tell you that. I think, I, I think you said five and three, but I can come Oh, five and three? Okay, whatever, whatever. That's all right. It's a short anyway, show. We take what it's we can get. Show. It is a short show. By the way, I do want to ask you before you get So two and a half hours, three yeah. hours on the podcast. Who is – I'm a screenwriter, so I can't listen to writing or talking while I'm writing and listen to music. I'm in the car occasionally. Mm-hmm. But who who are these people? And I know some of them somehow. But what what is your sense of the audience for a three hour podcast? I, I I never intended it to be that long. Uh, when I people kept asking, "When are you going to do a podcast? When are you going to do a podcast?" And I would always say, "When I come up with an idea that hasn't been done, I I don't want to do my crappy version of Mark's great podcast. I don't want to do my crappy version of your great podcast. I wanted to come up with my own thing." And then I was remembering. One of my favorite things out here, uh, Joe Frank's In the Dark. Oh, God, yeah. On uh, uh, NPR. Out here. Yeah. And where he would tell these weird sort of monologues, and then it would stop, and there'd be music, and then he would pick it up at a different state. But it was really slow and funny. And I thought, could I do that with a conversation? Like, s- chop it up and put music interstitial and just make it like a, a tapas meal of conversation. And it grew from that into... Well, then do two interviews and hopscotch them, and it'll be like auditing two conversations at a party. And then I'm, I also am, you know, I have a lot of areas of interest, and I like to, wouldn't be interesting if we, the conversations landed on the subject. Let me take a break, and we'll talk about that subject independently and give you like a 10 or 15 minute window into whatever it is that we're talking about. For an example, uh, my, my favorite one of all the ones I did. The incredibly labyrinthian story behind the making of King Kong versus Godzilla. Where, <laughs> where, where one guy came up with an idea, brought it to two guys who thought they had the rights. Neither one of them had the rights. And the only guy that ended up making money was the guy that never had the rights. <laughs> um, it's really a great story. And, um, and then it just ended up coming out to be that long when I would put all that stuff together. And I thought... Well, great. This way, I only have to do one a month because I'm busy, uh, and I know people that listen to it in the car. There's, you know, commuters or guys that are like computer programmers and they just have it on all sure. day. Um, and it's no, I have been told by everybody if you do one a week and it's an hour long, you'll quadruple your listeners. But I, I do. This is what I want to do. This is this is how it comes out, and you know. I, I don't lose money on it, but I don't make money on it. I pretty much break even after all is said and done, or I lose a little bit. Uh, so the beauty of that is then I get to do what I want to do. If I want to, I was talking to um, a guy. I'm not sure if you've had him on, but you really should have him on. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, we'd love to. Yeah, I'll, I can hook that up. Um, and Bob was telling me that he did this movie that he Kickstarter funded, and then one of the is that the, the fan footage one? This is the dog one. Oh, the dog? Yeah, yes, the right. Dog okay, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody who did not contribute money to the movie gave him notes. <laughs> and he said, and he, and he literally put peanut butter on the notes and fed it to the dog that was in the bag. <laughs> and he's filling out, this is notes, you pay as you play, as they say. Uh, and... Uh, um, so, and that's my theory is that like I, this is I can do what I want if I'm paying for it. 
Yeah, well, yeah. that's absolutely. Um, I definitely got it. It's I have a couple friends who have a great podcast, and I'm a thousand hours behind on all of them. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. But I, I, I definitely am going to look for the uh, the Godzilla one. That sounds insane. You should, you should start running because I understand that people, it's very possible for people to listen to podcasts while you, they're running. Are yes. you commenting on my weight, Joe? <laughs> no, it's a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what? Oh, yeah. No, I just I, just as a tangent too. Have you ever seen? Speaking of Joe Frank, have you ever seen the short films he made for Playboy? No. So there is um, a series, and I believe they came out on DVD a little while ago, finally, uh, of short films that Playboy did back in the 90s called Inside Out. Do you know about this, Joe? No. Wow. I, I actually Playboy's know. Penthouse, I know. You, I, you, I used to watch that when I was a little I've stumped Joe Dante. so boring. Um, I only know about this because <laughs> I, I was in the 90s. I was writing softcore porn for people who wanted to be Playboy. But they had done a series of short films. They gave all these sort of interesting filmmakers. Alexander Payne did a couple of them. I think it was thirty-five grand, and it was basically make anything you want. It's got to be somewhere between five and ten minutes, and it must have boobies in it. And a lot of them are just crap. Yeah. But some, you know, Alexander Payne made some really bizarre, really interesting ones, and Joe Frank made a couple, um, which are uh, it's it's a box set worth checking out. You wow, can get it for five bucks on Amazon. Out. Yeah, and it's um, very very strange stuff. But yeah, he had that great voice. Too. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's still yeah. around. The what I the story that I want to read or hear is what goes on at the mansion now. Oh, somebody because bought so, it. There is a well, but but what I mean is like he's still alive. He still has girlfriends. They still have whatever they do. But he's a tenant now, isn't he? Yeah, but just the 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 baroque sunset boulevardian mm. kabuki dance. It might be his. it might be kind of depressing. Oh no! <laughs> Profoundly depressing. I mean, I, know, I, I do I know have a theory a, that there's if, enough. Of, I know enough about it that it, it is like it's like Norman Desmond with Viagra. Like it just like it's everything. And I just to me it's like how you know Howard Hughes with uh, preapism. I, I really want to know about it. it. It's just like that's a great weird emotional gauntlet of a story. And there was a book that one of the his girlfriend. Speaking of wrote, Gaspar Noe films. Uh, <laughs> what, one of his girlfriends wrote that uh, self-published because she couldn't get it because they would get sued. That apparently is pretty, pretty grim doings. I, yeah, <laughs> if, you've, if you've ever been in a restaurant where Hef comes in with the girls yeah. at a party or whatever, uh, you know, basically he doesn't really talk to much of anybody, and the girls don't really talk to anybody either, and they don't even much talk to them to each other. And yeah. so it's it's just a, it's a, a a weird funereal yeah feeling that you get being around them. But they've know? been clinging to that for so long. There's just no. Well, it's it's like there's no there there anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That revolution is over. And <laughs> I have a lot of respect for him because he did a lot of great stuff for the sure. film preservation. Yeah, well, and all the time, and and comics, and movies. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Very yeah. very sad. I'm very sad now. Um, no, there's no reason to be sad. He's probably <laughs> no, having sex he's right doing now. fine right now. He's yeah. having sex and you're not. Yeah, yeah, but by the way, he's not enjoying it at all. Oh, he doesn't even know it. He's, he's, <laughs> he doesn't. Even yeah, he's he's having a he's he's dreaming. He's going down the Amazon with Howie Loki. <laughs> they gotta put that show out. Or the, the the Playboy After Dark show. Yeah, uh, it's. Have all his buddies I think coming. it's on YouTube. Some it, of it. It, they're pretty amazing. Yeah, they're, they're pretty amazing. The, the, there's a faux party atmosphere. Why look, it's yeah. Yeah. Lenny oh, Bruce. It's hey, Huel Cinder. Yeah, Huel yeah, <laughs> Cinder. Huel <laughs> Cinder is here. <laughs> Many people have called in who wanted us to 
get Joyce Carol Oates and Joe Namath in the same room and finally done that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, really? Do we, do, we really need to, do we really need to have these people together? No, you know, you know we have finally gotten Charlie Callis and Meadowlark Lemon in the same conversation. <laughs> the miracle on television. Oh, well, I took, as you know, I took college classes in the Mike Douglas studio where I mean, he would do that. Yeah, have, 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 Bring odd, odd people together. Yeah. John Lennon and Jerry Lewis. I was, I was watching the John Lennon and Yoko Ono Mike Douglas's recently, and it, it, ostensibly they were on, like, they clearly agreed, all right, we're going to come on, but we're only going to talk about Yoko. She's got a art show, and we're only going to talk. And then, and it was just, to John's credit, like, just endlessly steering. So tell me, John, what was it like to be in the, well, you know, Yoko's, he's just always <laughs> steering it back, steering it back. And you have to admire Yoko Ono thinking, yes, I'm just as interesting as him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's, and now I'm more interested. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Um, at least more interesting to talk to. Yeah. To talk about. Uh, but so, anyway, shall we, shall we jump yeah, in? Do you want to start? Let's, let's start through, do you, however you want to do it, but let's, let's start one at a time. Let's do the, the sure. well, side for your... My favorite movie is not the greatest movie ever made, but this movie... Wait, you're starting at the top? Yeah. I'm, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> rang my bell... When I was a kid, it meant to me what baseball meant to most kids. The original Planet of the Apes. Uh-huh. Can't help thinking that somewhere in the universe there has to be something better than man. Has to be. The words are Charlton Heston's. Get out a last signal to Earth that we've landed! The world he finds out in the galaxy will challenge every idea you've ever had of civilization. A planet where man is the lowest order of living things, and the superior beings are apes. Something about it. I can even know the shot that I saw it on television, saw a commercial for it. The shot of the gorilla and the hunt. There's a striking close-up of, of actor Norman Burton, who played Felix Leiter in Diamonds Are Forever, if you want to see what he looks like without his makeup on. And it just galvanized me. I don't. I don't know what it was about it. I don't know why it was about it. It still galvanizes me. Uh, I was a completely. I I was into that movie in that world the way people are into the Beatles, the way people are into Springsteen, the way people are into whatever they're into like that. Um, and it is. It's a great bubblegum social commentary. You know, it's it's really. Yes, there's a message to it. But it's really, as I've said, gorillas dressed like Fonzie chasing Moses dressed like Tarzan. But <laughs> Lucky for you, they made a lot of them. Yeah, but they made a lot of them. I saw them all. I saw them all. And uh, they're still there's making something, them. something, the yeah. power of those, it's still, I mean, I've seen it uh, so many times, but yeah, when the gorillas, gorillas riding horses. Yeah, there's just something up, primal, I can't imagine no what, pun intended. Have you showed it to your, how old are your kids? It's so funny. I took my children, my daughters now are um, 8, 13, and 15, and they can take or leave it. But a couple years ago, when they had to do what I said, (laughs) I made them all go see Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And they were completely, thank God they had their phones with them or their video games with them because they weren't into it. We were at the the drive-in. We went to the drive-in to see it. I saw that one, I think, Um, in 4D. Have you seen it down there? Where they they shake the chairs. Oh right, no, right. I don't. I don't. I like two D. I'm, 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 I'm. I like. I really do. I only like two D. But we go to the drive-in a lot. There's a drive-in about 50 minutes east, 
that we go to, Mission Tiki in Montclair, California. It's gorgeous. Oh, wow. And uh, I used to work at a drive-in, so I'm very emotionally attached. And uh, But then the next day I showed them the original. And, you know, they dr- they've drifted off after a while. But they came up with an idea that I never did, and I really think, and we should do it. We're the three guys to do it. Um, DVD commentary by children of adult movies, not adult movies, but movies for grown-ups. And when the ship was sinking in the lake, my daughter went, Dad, their clothes are in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're right. I never thought about that. Uh, I wanted to, I think I've told Joe this. I, I, he knows about this. I, I wrote and directed a very, very small horror film almost 20 years ago that no one has ever seen or heard of. Joe has, and has been very polite about it. But my dream was, and we never got to do it, I wanted to do a commentary track with my mother <laughs> watching it for the first time. What, what, is the name, what is the name of that movie? It's called Infested. Infested? Yes, it's a remake of The Big Chill, except I killed them all. Oh, um, I like that. That was also a TV show. No. No, it was. Oh, it no, there was, was a show. Was, yeah, 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 I had nothing to do with yeah. it. Um, but I just love the idea of my mother just going, oh, does she have to be naked? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. But Planet of the Apes is such a, what is it about that? I mean, those things were, uh, they just rocked an entire generation. Yeah, it was, It and, you know, it's, there's just like some some guy wrote a like a book called Planet of the Apes, this American myth that was really breaks down what they all are about, and everything that he wrote applies, but I don't think they were thinking that at the time. <laughs> you know, I I think a lot of that stuff is put on it later, and uh, it was just a, it's just a great and and what's amazing when you've seen it like four hundred times, it's a very small story. Guy crashes on a planet, get walks around, gets captured in a hunt, escapes, gets caught, gets put on trial, escapes again. It's it's not like this crazy labyrinthian. It's a very I yeah, love that's... when people tell giant stories, but they're actually very small stories. Um, well, but uh, it's a giant world. It's I mean, a giant world. Yes. The reason why it's a, it's it's good that the story is simple is that there's plenty of room for embellishment and plenty right. of room for. Figuring out how how did this happen? Who are these characters, and that's, what do they that's want? Why we're playing and, yeah. in that world for you know, so, yeah. so long. Now I was that came, I was a little too young when it came out. Um, what 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 was the the attitude towards it when it came out? Was it sort of dismissed by? No, it was a huge hit. It was a huge hit, a big surprise hit. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It had movie stars. Right. It had movie stars in makeup, and the makeup at the time was, was amazing. Yeah. State of the art. There'd never been anything quite like it. And they were they were they were, they were false starts. I mean, they did certain kinds of makeup that didn't work on certain actors who discovered they just couldn't wear that makeup. Right. Uh, and because the characters were indelible enough, they were able to keep the series going with the ape characters mainly because yeah. yes. you know, Heston uh, appears briefly in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's I, the one who demanded that a, they destroy the world, right? And, yeah. he, and, he, and he insisted, "I'll, I'll be in it, but you got to, you got to destroy yeah. the world at the end." And it was like, "Okay." And they forgot, "Well, geez, we destroyed." What the did world. you say, how Chuck? Do, yeah. How, how, how long are we going to make another one? Because it made a lot of money. And uh, do, do you know about the? Um, uh, and that was quite inventive. Very clever. The third well, one is actually the cleverest one of, yes. of the group. And it also, if you've seen it lately, it plays like like the original Planet of the Apes, nineteen sixty eight, plays like, and it was first draft was written by Rod Serling. Um, a script I am adapting as a graphic novel, by the way, which is a, ta- a daunting task. Every day I get up and decide what lines of Rod Serling I'm going to cut. <laughs> um, but thanks to everybody at Boom Comics for letting me do that. Uh, th- that it's 
just the best episode of the Twilight Zone. It's just the biggest, best episode of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, Escape from the Planet of the Apes is the biggest episode of Love American Style. This <laughs> <laughs> is very cheesy. I'm a fan of Conquest, and I, I love bag Conquest. on it. I love Conquest. It's it's really dark. And it's actually Conquest of two blocks of the Planet of the Apes. But yeah, still, but the first time you were in Century City, Conquest when you came Century here, City, how, yeah. How yeah. Oh no, it's I love that I that movie, and I did a middle section on my podcast about Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Because it's just batshit crazy. Yeah. Oh. By the end of that movie, it's prim, um, evolved apes fighting telepathic mutants and time-traveling astronauts and their cavewoman girlfriend in the subterranean ruins of demolished New York over an atom bomb that they worship, but they still might explode. But they get there totally logically. Like every, all, all those sense. ducks are in all a row. Sense. All those ducks are in a row. Uh, it's just, it's just so, so very crazy. Yeah, and, but a... that was a movie also. And I, I'm, you know, where there wasn't a movie, it was like, we don't have a story, but we, they want more and we need it to be visual and we need six set pieces. And there was never a story. Escape actually had a story. That's yeah. why it worked. Yeah. Um, I also one of my I, I, it's my big regret that I never uh, when I was going to name my production company my, my favorite line of one of my favorite lines of any movie comes from Battle which is not a great movie but like now fight like apes <laughs> <laughs> what a what's great ama- name for a production a, company what's amazing about that well Ben Stiller's production company is called Red Hour from uh, the Star Trek episode I oh think okay it's, uh, Taste of Armageddon or something He'll, but I was you know, I was so bummed wrong. in the the new one in War of the Planet of the Apes I thought of all the movies where they could have used a line I kept waiting for <laughs> now Fight Like Apes I'm a full grown man I was going to jump up in the theater and cheer and but he did he, not do it what's amazing is he's also forceful yet effeminate <laughs> now fight like apes <laughs> We, I always thought it would be great if they gave the modern Caesar still had Roddy McDowell's voice oh I am cobalt. <laughs> I am my own. I am my own cobalt. We all. Oh, I'm flawed. I lived in his house for years. Did you? Yeah, my. I lived. My children still do. Um, my wife and I, when we were shopping for houses, it's my favorite movie and my father-in-law's favorite movie, oddly enough. And when my wife and I, at the time, my wife at the time, uh, were looking for a place to live, we found this house, and it was a little big for our needs, but we knew we were going to have kids. And then as we were leaving the air, oh yeah, an actor used to live here, this guy, Roddy McDowell. <laughs> and I could feel my wife's head like, right, I was like, all right, let's just come up with the offer and not make a big deal. Out of there it. might be some good prints in the basement. There's, yeah. No, there, I, find, I have his VHS tapes. Ah. He had tons oh, wow. of, and he taped everything. It was like, Designing Women episodes. You know, he, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, there the, was a big raid in the 70s. Yes, no, and I know, I know where he where he hid them and I know where he showed them we found a lot of stuff but mm-hmm. he was a I met him once he was a lovely guy yeah, yeah, yeah lovely guy. Do, do you know about the segregated eating arrangements that the, the, it was my favorite thing with about the, 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 the over course yeah, of the production story, yeah. yeah the um, the various and sundry uh, actors um, would um, they would they would segregate uh, by not by rank not by extra versus star but by species. So yeah. that the chimps would sit with the chimps, <laughs> orangutans would sit with orangutans, and and uh, gorillas would gorillas sit with gorillas. Really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is an interesting uh, just like life, just just like life. Just like life. And there's a last point to the that story is, uh, you know, I do a, I I I'm a political progressive like everybody out here. Um, I did poli- I've done politically incorrect a lot with Bill Maher, and I did it before it went to HBO and it was in the other show. Uh, the nicest person I met 
was Charlton Heston. Could not have been a better, bigger gentleman. And uh, Michael Moore, eh, eh. <laughs> wouldn't I, invite him to dinner. But but it, I was talking to Mr. Heston, and I told him how much I liked the film, and and it was so funny. I said, this is a little dorky, but I had my Christmas card was my face over a gorilla holding him on a leash, and that was my Christmas card that year. And I said, this is kind of dorky, but would you sign this? And he looked at it, and he laughed. And he was so funny. He like, showed his wife, Lydia, look, this is his Christmas card. <laughs> Made it with scissors in a paste pot. And he signed it. And then he started to walk away, and he turned around, and he came back, and he went, this might be dorky, too, but... I'd be happy to send you a picture from the film if you'd like. I said, that would be amazing. He went, well, give me your address. I wrote down my address. Four days later, it showed up. Eight and a half. Fantastic. <laughs> Old school. Great dude. He uh, he came to the American Cinematheque uh, a few, obviously a few years back. It was, while Tim Burton, it was known that Tim Burton was going to be remaking it, but he, he had not yet attached Heston mm-hmm. to it. And it was a screening of he Planet of the Apes. And uh, um, it was interesting because, you know, it was, at, it was at the peak of kind of Heston's NRA stuff. And, yeah, sure. But there was this really strong sense in the room, which I thought was nice, was, was I think there was like sort of one person going, ah, and everyone went, shh, you know, go yell at him outside. Yeah, this is not the time or the place. This is movie land. But what was, the, two things were kind of interesting. One was he stood up and he talked about how instrumental he had been in. Uh, and again, not to say, well, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about you. This is not a bad story. It's just no, funny. It's, he stood up and talked about how, um, you know, they asked him, he had done these great science fiction films. Was it a genre he enjoyed? And he said, I can't do your Charlton Heston, so I won't try. But he said, you know, um, well, they didn't really have a name for it when I was doing it because we were creating that. They had never really done this in movies before. So he was convinced that Planet <laughs> yeah. of the Apes and Soylent yeah. Green were the first <laughs> science fiction films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my favorite thing to this day, because it shows such an amazing both disconnect and self-awareness. Someone said, are you involved with the remake? And he said, well, they haven't called me. And he said, but I think I'd make a great Dr. Zayas, don't you? And everyone in the room went, fuck, yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) how do you know that? (laughs) And still go on about the business of being a great Dr. Zayas. This story story may be apocryphal, but I, I hope it's true. That uh, when they did his makeup, uh, you know, the, the foundation of that makeup was the teeth. Mm-hmm. That they had these elaborate dentures, and then they built the appliance over the teeth. And and Sheldon has this went to Rick Baker. I'm not going to wear the teeth. And Rick uh, was like, "Well, that's the thing." Goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. <laughs> what are you going to say? Yeah, it worked out fine. But- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of Tim Burton, the, the the movie right behind Planet of the Apes that I love so much is Ed Wood. Oh, no, who doesn't and, love Ed Wood? Tim Burton, director of Batman, Beetlejuice, and Edward Scissorhands, now takes you to a completely different world. The true story of a Hollywood legend, Ed Wood. And action! He made movies like no one else. Want to keep moving? 
We've got to get through that door. Ah, that was perfect. Perfect? Do you know anything about film production? Well, I'd like to think so. He had an eye for talent. I met Bella Lugosi. Well, I thought he was dead. This is the most uncomfortable coffin I've ever been in. No, he's very much alive. You flying saucer? He had a passion for storytelling. Get me transvestites. I need transvestites. Well, it's, you know, it's it's sort of Edward and Plan 9, I take them as you got to have both. You, sure. you, you kind of need one to enjoy the other. Um, yeah, but Edward, I, I, I felt this way only at a couple of movies. I, and, and one of them is Matinee. Um, like, oh, they made this movie just for me. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. I remember seeing Matinee. I was, on, I was on the road back then. I was a comic, and I was in, like, uh, Dallas or someplace. Went by myself to the movies, and I couldn't believe it. I was just like, and I still remember laughing in the in Mant, half man, half ant, all terror. Uh, was I forget what the setup to the Joker is? Get it? <laughs> when he like starts cracking, desperately cracking jokes at the end. <laughs> I, get, I forget what he says, but he right. goes, I think I think he says something. Like, oh, yeah. Sorry, I spoiled your picnic. <laughs> get it? Get it? <laughs> Just, it's no picnic. That's yeah, yeah, it's no picnic. Yeah, and Bill Shallert was in it, and, yeah. and I was like, and I was just sitting there alone, and I was like, nobody knows what this is but me. <laughs> and uh, and and Ed Wood is like that. I remember sitting in the theater going, I'm watching a major studio movie yeah. biography of Ed Wood, and it doesn't suck. And it's, it's, it's hard great. to imagine how that picture got made. Well, being friends with Scott and Larry, I, I know. And one of the things is they shot the first draft. Like, they didn't yeah. have time to overthink it. It was just like, yeah. go. There's no No, money. I remember I read it. I, yeah. I, I, I read it before they, yeah, before they shot it, and I just remember thinking, like you said, it, yeah, this is for me, and how many other people? <laughs> but the way, I mean, it was just be that beautiful timing where for one hot second, Tim Burton was in a position where he actually to do what he wanted. Ram a black yeah. and white movie about Ed Wood with Johnny Depp yeah. in the studio's throat. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and had Disney's sense, throat. Yeah. But, and and but don't, you, don't you wonder what it. the first screening was like? I mean, the, the <sighs> test screening? We'll have, we'll I mean, have Larry on it. You know, uh, yeah, you could find out. And, and it was supposedly, and I, you probably know this better than I do, like Disney really wanted to sign Tim Burton to a big production deal. and they wanted Well, because he started there. Yeah, and they yeah. wanted him as a brand, and they wanted Tim Burton amusement parks right. and Tim Burton, and that it would kill that. Well, well, <laughs> it didn't help it. it didn't, <laughs> well, no, it was basically uh, they made Nightmare Before Christmas, and they let him make Ed Wood kind of just to get him in the door, and then they'd lock the door and go, <laughs> "Yeah, this is great." You know, That's now here it is, you know, whatever they would they wanted Sleeping Beauty six, whatever they, but it 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 didn't work out. But I think it was just like all right. Yeah, do this, and then we'll... And I remember talking to somebody at, years ago at Touchdown, it was, and I just said, they worked at Touchdown, this is how old the story is. And they said, you guys, I said, you guys made one of my favorite movies of all time, Ed Wood. And I, well, I wasn't on that. That, that, that didn't make any money. <laughs> oh, that's all, yeah. Yeah, I was like, so what? No, that's, how, like, that's how quality is yeah, judged. Yeah, yeah. I was like, so what? Oh, well, I meant, I have to assume. I've, I've never heard you talk about it, but I can't imagine you were not slightly fond of Bill Hicks, at least. Um, oh, no, I, knew, I, I went to I Disney World with Bill Hicks. Oh, <laughs> I, that, I, went, I remember meeting once uh, a writer for The Tonight Show, and somehow Hicks came up, and I was talking about what a fan I was and how sad I was, and I never got to see him. Mm-hmm. And he said... Oh yeah, don't don't you know? Here's what you don't see in those specials. Half the audience like walked out on them. I'm, oh, like, yeah. I'm going, yeah, and so yeah. it's the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, Edward, that, that, that didn't make us any money. Like that doesn't matter. The greatest yeah. 
fucking. No, he has one of my favorite lines that he we did this. There was this TV show called Robert Klein's Stand Up Sit Down, and right. he did stand up, and then he would interview you. as Robert Klein, so every comedian with a sense of history went, "Yeah, I'll do it. I don't care if I have to go to Florida." I'm gonna... Robert Klein wants to do it, uh, and uh, my Bill and I. We were on the same day, and we knew each other a little bit, and so we were in Orlando, Florida, and we were done at like noon. And I was like, what do you want? I don't even want to go to Disney World. And so we walked around Disney World, and the thing that he said that made me laugh so hard that day was, uh, "It's they're 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 dredging Lake Erie to put it." No, because I can't sell out Caroline's on a Saturday night, and they're dredging Lake Erie to put in bleacher seats for Carrot Top. <laughs> 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 oh, poor Carrot Car- Top's probably a big fan of his. Yeah, I hear, no, I hear it a, breaks his heart. He's not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy, but he's not, you know, he's yeah, not he's certainly. Not, yes. not, a, not what you'd call a writer. Uh, but yeah, no, every, I, Ed, Edward, Edward is. is just one of those things like, I I don't know how this, and it, but it also, it's like everything. It's like, the, I don't, what is, like, what is it about that story? I think to really, to drill down, outside of that it's visually gorgeous, that we all, Felt, I think, as kids, like Ed Wood in the sense that we loved horror movies, and as a result, we were weirdos. Uh, certainly in my family, I have four older brothers, and they're all athletes and cops, and me. <clears throat> and you feel like an outcast and a weirdo and an outsider, and uh, this movie said, yeah, that you are, and it's great. It didn't deny it. No, you're, you're a weirdo. You are a weirdo. But being a weirdo is great. You know, they endorsed it. Yeah, they endorsed it. And that's why kids, like, it, it's funny, in the horror world, there's, like, there's fans, like, there's two kinds of fans. Like, there's us, and then there's goth metal guys. And, because there has that split, where, like, we all like the Ramones, but some people followed that in as a life, and other people. No, I want to make the movies. And other people, right. But like, uh, I, I tell the story a lot. I after Ed Wood, I befriended Vampira, Milo. I, I knew Milo. No, I knew she Milo was, very yeah, well. Oh, okay, I knew her. Yeah, little. I knew her, No, I knew her very <laughs> well. Uh, and I basically relived that movie. I became mm. <laughs> her caretaker for the last fifteen years of her life. Oh, wow. And so it's a weird story. It's like, I love that movie, and then I lived that movie. And uh, there was a time when um, I was writing on The Simpsons. I just had my our first daughter, and uh, I was doing great, but time was the one thing I did not have. And at that time, Myla needed to move because she was living behind a house on Hudson, and it was being torn down. And I was like her ambassador to reality. So she's called me. I don't know what to do. So don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. So I went down to Halloween Town in Nor- in Burbank, uh, which is one of the reasons I live in Southern California, because there's a year-round Halloween store. <laughs> and I just walked in. I pointed to a vampire T-shirt, and I said, do you know anybody that I can pay to help me find the woman on that T-shirt in an apartment? And they went, Yeah. <laughs> as, if, as if as if my coming was predicted in the ancient texts. <laughs> you know, a man without tattoos on his arms. No, no, he's not a cop. Uh, and uh, and then I met this guy that uh, this you know guy that looked like Alice Cooper was in a local like goth band called Wednesday Thirteen, and we became really good friends. And now he's Rob Zombie's bassist. 
You know, he's, he's, a, he's a big rock star now. And we, we he's a great guy. He's exactly like we are. We all love the same thing. We all have a closet full of famous monsters magazines. <laughs> he's a rock star, and, uh, and you know, we're doing our goofy crap. We're doing podcasts. But it's the same thing. It's a, <laughs> it's a funny, that's a weird diver, yeah. divergence uh, that you get in horror that you don't get in, like, comic book, uh, superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. There's also, I think, with that film, you know, um, there's that. It didn't really click with me until the last time I saw it. I just showed it to my uh, uh, wife a little while ago because I, I, I love it to death. Yeah. And there's something about that relationship. Um, the woman I, mean, I see now has never seen it. I'm so excited. Oh, it's going to be so like, much fun. Where, where, it's I, irresistible. I'm trying to wait for it to. Uh, but you know, to, sometimes that can be such a tripwire, though. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. what, what do you do if What do you do if they hate it? Yeah, you know, I mean, this is I, when I was in college. I used to, I, I used to judge people uh, whether whether can... or not they were going to be friends with me by taking them down to see Shock Corridor, <laughs> you know. And if they didn't like Shock Corridor, then I wasn't interested in them. <laughs> uh, you had a wasn't Harry Rhodes in Shock? Harry Corridor? Rhodes was yeah. in Shock Corridor. He was a good actor. He, didn't yeah, go he was in Battle for the Planet of the Apes. There you go. No, um, he was in Conquest of the Conquest. Planet of the Apes. Oh, Conquest. She's Austin there. Stoker uh, was in Battle. That's right. Playing the same role. He's right. That's yeah. yes, that is correct. Um, but no, I just I remember having been here a while. I my, my first job was was PAing on a movie and sort of, you know, it's cool. There were movie stars around and yeah, you see them. But the one, the first time I got really like, zonk, wow, yeah. holy shit, was William Smith. Sure. I mean, it, and and that's that sort of if you get that, if you understand why you'd be more dazzled by you right. know the star of Invasion of the Bee Girls and by Tom Cruise, you <laughs> totally. you you understand Ed Wood, I think. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. 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 Um, but I, I got to uh, program the new Beverly a couple of years ago. They let me do a week of double features, and you know, it was movies you love, and I also want to sort of like bring guests in. And I knew Scott and Larry, and I was like, all right, we'll do Ed Wood. What, what's a good programmer with Ed Wood? And also, just it sort of satisfies me to do things like this on a lot of levels. I actually really love Problem Child. And so I did Problem Child and Ed Wood. The Problem Child's great. It's I think it's great. Really they actually started coming around and thinking it yeah. would because they have real issues with it. But the theater got a phone call a few days beforehand. They were going to show up to the Q&A. It was Martin Landau asking, asking if it would be okay if he showed up and joined us for the Q&A. <laughs> Which I thought was so, and he did, and he was lovely, and I, still one of my favorite things ever was Martin Landau, who does, you know, if you if you think his bellow was good, he did a Boris Karloff that would kill you, and he just did this back and forth between the two of them that is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I, this is a weird Martin Landau story, um, I used to go to the, my, my wife is a big executive, and we, I would go to all these parties that normally I would not be allowed into. And there was a string of years where I was always at the Vanity Fair Oscar party. And normally I would just sit in the corner with Bill Maher. Like the comics find each other and they just go <laughs> off into a corner. And and every year, and I was standing there one year and I just went, is that Martin Landau? And a waiter walked by me and went, he's here every year. That <laughs> 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 everyone does get an invitation and just shows just, up. Yeah, <laughs> I would say no. Yeah. Um, the the my favorite comedy is uh, Doctor Strangelove. Oh, yeah. I think that is just a completely f- to me that's it's my favorite kind of comedy. It's 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 about a it's a, it's dark. It's about a very serious subject, but it's a subject that is so serious you have to laugh at it. Now then, a specific and clearly defined set of circumstances 
under which the bombs are to be exploded is programmed into a tape memory bank. A single roll of shape can store all the information... What kind of a name is that? That ain't no crowd name, is it, You changed it when you became a citizen. It used to be McVecht Lieber. Uh, a crowd by any other name, I think. Is that the whole point of the doomsday machine is lost? If you keep it a secret, why didn't you tell the world, eh? It was to be announced at the party congress on Monday. As you know, the premier loves surprises. I'm so old that I saw that picture the day it opened. Wow. The, at the at the baronet or the coronet. It's like talking City. to a magic tree. Yeah, well, <laughs> let me tell you something. Uh, Is it 1927? It, it did not get laughs. Really? When it opened. Partly because it was right after the assassination yeah. and, you know, right. the, and, and uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And, it was and, just a little too, it, too people, raw? People took it very seriously. And I don't think they quite, at least at that point, understood what they were seeing. Uh, now, Failsafe, which had been made, which is the serious version, had, right. been, had been bought by Columbia so that they wouldn't conflict. Right. And they held that until, you know, like, I don't know, six months later or something like that. Um, and, and you were supposed to be devastated when you came out at the end of, of Failsafe. But <laughs> people were <laughs> devastated at the end of Dr. Strange was the same right. way they were at Failsafe. And it was, it was just because it's so easy to, to forget what the culture was like then. This picture was groundbreaking. I mean, there's never, there had never been anything like Doctor Strangelove when it came out, and people really were confused and surprised and scared by it. Yeah, I can't. I I do know that the premiere, premiere, premiere. That's the first time you Dimitri. Show it. Oh, one of the two, exactly <laughs> Dimitri. But it was like November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, was one of the sneak previews. Right. Oh wow, really? And they had which to, they had to cancel. They had to cancel. Oh, okay. it. Yeah. Um, and there was a line in the movie that is looped because you because, know because because Slim Pickens says that you could have a great time in Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, that's right. And yes. they changed it's it to Vegas. Houston, Vegas. 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 Yeah. yeah. I feel like I have a great weekend. Yeah, but if you will, you go. Oh yeah, that is loop. Yeah, but it's uh, and it's here's a good loop though. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's all right. Now you this now we're deep, we're deep diving here that that you would there's one of the guys in the cockpit of the plane. I'll bet you money he was looped by William Daniels. Oh, mm. uh, you know what? I, I I know exactly what you're saying, and yes. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I that's think you're right. not him. That's William Daniels. I think you're right, and he's probably a British actor, and that's probably ah uh, that would looped. explain it. Sure. Yeah. And as a, it's like thank you because I thought it was crazy. no. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, there's some stuff in Star Wars that I'm pretty sure is Harry Shearer because mm-hmm. he was in the Loop Group. And I, I I know Harry. I should ask him, but I've never asked him. But I'm like, that's Harry. I know. I know that voice. Dude, do you remember the first time you saw Strange Love? You know, I do. I I probably saw it. And didn't really appreciate it. It wasn't until I became, you know, an adult and and a, and a writer, and I just really appreciate appreciated the the precision of it and, and just the, it's just a ball of beautiful razor blades, that movie, you know, it's yeah. so it, it's, and just lines that are just delivered straight as like uh, Colonel Bat Guano, if that is in fact your name, it's just like, you can't, well, and, and, so, and you can't beat the casting. I mean, no, the casting yeah. is just impeccable. It's like, 
I liken it to, and this is my other my other favorite movie that's a comedy. It's it's uh, modern romance. My it's, favorite Albert Brooks movie. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's any competition. I mean, how many of us haven't been on the phone? And listening to something and telling somebody that we were writing something down and make believe we're actually writing it. <laughs> yeah. And they can't even see it. I, and, I, I, and I also went through a breakup like that. <laughs> do, you have any, do you have any animals that say, I'm sorry, Mary? <laughs> but but I like, those movies are like bleach. There's, there's nothing diluting him. It's just, it's pure. You know, well, I think it's, the thing it's too, absolutely I, pure. I mean, I've been thinking about Terry Southern a lot lately because, um, you know, I, I, I believe because it's Halloween time in your costume. Well, no, I, I believe I, I believe I've I've been in a coma for a year and I'm living in a Terry Southern movie. <laughs> it's the only explanation. But I, I do think that if you're of of an age that uh, we're all sort of around, uh, except for Joe, who saw Doctor Strange Eleven in 1923. Um, <laughs> but if you grew up on Terry Southern and Mad Magazine, yeah. it's probably the only way you can possibly survive the Trump years without losing right. your mind. I don't know what they would do because you saw this coming. It's like this makes perfect sense. It's always yeah. been it's always been insane. So it's yeah, it's harder to parody now. It, re- it really is. And you know, Kid Rock is now running for Senate. I mean, idiocracy <laughs> is no longer funny. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's a documentary. Yeah. It, that, <laughs> Somebody else said that. First, today, that too. first that happened with Network. Yeah, it became a documentary. Yeah, and now uh, and the face in the crowd. Yeah, which, absolutely. Which is yeah. which is really a documentary. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and now and now Eddie only in face of the crowd he 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 gets found out at the end. At that, which, which I mean, actually, doesn't happen in real people life. People keep yeah. saying that. Have you actually gone back and watched Idiocracy recently? Because it's no, it's, it's really frightening how yeah. very close it it's is. terribly close. I mean, from the from the from the toilets that you sit on to watch TV yeah. and the owl my balls and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 like it already has a wrestler president. Yeah. No. It, it's. Yeah, so it, it makes it makes satire very difficult. It yeah. does to do because a, you can't be. Well, it makes everything. I mean, think about. I, I can't. I keep thinking about if twenty four were on the air right now, and they were doing. You know, they always have that president. There's always you know generic white guy or generic black guy or generic woman sort of president. We all know that character in that sort. Yeah, but of, they act presidential. But they act presidential. Yeah. But it's like if you did that but now, it would be now. a period piece. So if you wanted to address this, what would you do? How do you make a president like that guy that isn't that guy? It's just. It's so bonkers. I take yeah. the guy from it and put him in the White House. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's and as a comedian, it's it's hard to do. And and oddly, you know, the people that support him won't. I had a bottle of beer thrown at me in Portland, Oregon, on stage. I've been doing comedy since 1982. That's never happened. Mm. I made a mild Trump joke. Yeah, and. Well, but but that's see if, if 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 it was Jim Jones and you were doing your your spiel at uh, his place, yeah. they would have thrown bottles at you yeah. too because this is it's it's a cult. Yeah, it is. And a cult. they they his recent well recent now we don't know when this is going to mm-hmm. run, but uh, you know his flip flops on various things that he's yeah. done that are outraging the sort of moderate types. Uh, his base doesn't care. No. They, it's him they like. Yeah, no, he He's could do guy. anything. He could they do have, anything. They have hitched their wagon to him. Yep. No, in, including... And he can come out and, and do what he said on Fifth Avenue. And they'll say, well, fine. The guy yeah. had it coming. No, I agree completely. Yeah, including every member of my immediate family. 
My yeah, that's dad, a, that's my mom, a tough. That's a tough one. I'm so lucky on that front. I've yeah. I've never had that Thanksgiving dinner that apparently everybody else. No, on the it's affected our relationship. A lot of people aren't having I'm, Thanksgiving dinner. My, my family's all crazy hippies. We don't yeah. we don't talk about it, but as a result, we don't talk as much. I don't want to. Right. Not don't go there. I don't want to open that up. But it's just like we we both are avoiding it, and it just makes any conversation so awkward. It's just like so fridge still keeping stuff cold. Well, it's oh the, yeah, it's, it's the elephant in the room. Yeah, oh, it's always God. there. Yeah. So uh, it's yeah, but uh, modern romance is, uh, and supposedly Stanley Kubrick loved that. Loved time. modern romance. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, called Albert Brooks and said, you made the movie about jealousy that I always wanted to make. And uh, which is, that's a, that's a call you'd like to get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember t- I was talking to Albert cause I worked on the Simpsons and you know, he would come in and, and it's bizarre. It's, when I talk to Albert Brooks, it's never lost on me that I'm talking to Albert Brooks. You know, it's like, it's just like, <laughs> okay. And he was talking about Stanley Kubrick and I, uh, and I was trying to be, smarter than I was and I said well there's a lot of stuff like like in the scene with the Quaaludes and the record collection that's all one take it's like the scene in the pod with the astronauts he goes no 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 that's Hal not blinking humans blink Hal doesn't blink that's what that no yeah right that's what I meant yeah It was very strange, and then uh, and now the, and the weird one that I love, my last favorite movie, okay, uh, okay. is a TV movie. Ooh, uh, but it's possibly my favorite horror movie. It was, it's the okay. Wait a minute. Let's let's play. So it's the seventies. Yeah, it's the first horror movie that scared me. Seventies, right? Not eighties. Yeah. Not eighties. No, seventies. And it's not Satan's School for Girls. Um, no, I saw it. Not, wait, I uh, was, not the Kim Darby one? I was nine when I saw it. And the, it scared the crap out of me. And I still watch it every couple of months. Every, you know, I'll just put it on when I'm writing bills and listen to it like a, like an album. And hmm. it was written by Richard Matheson. It's got great dialogue. Nope. Oh, oh, no, wait. Trilogy of Terror? No, the Night Stalker. That's only... Night Stalker. Oh, Night no. Stalker. <laughs> May I introduce myself? My name is Kolshak of the Daily Chronicle. Kolshak reports the bizarre, the supernatural, the unexplainable. You will get it, another crazy story. This nut thinks he is a vampire. You know what I call that? Irresponsible yellow journalism. He has killed four, maybe five women. I saw that so-called super killer wipe up the streets with your so-called police force. That yes. movie is a tiny little watch. There's not an ounce of fat on it. That's Darren great. McGavin's great. Oh, yeah. He's so good. And as a kid, it scared the piss out of me. That scene where he gets in the closet and the vampire opens the closet on him is still scary. Still scary. Uh, I, 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 lo- I love that movie. Yeah, they, I love tried that. To, they were trying to reboot that show for years. They did, yeah, with some young, awful. attractive yeah. gentleman. Yeah. Who, I know, uh, what a dumb idea. Like, you you know, it, yeah, it's like the one thing, let's take the one thing that makes this thing great. We'll get rid of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. You know who could play, the, if the, if John C. Riley played it, they I, could do oh, it. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I... Or I, David Koechner. As a kid <laughs> that drove me nuts that I actually now love as an adult uh, about the show... Because uh, I was addicted to that, and I had um, uh, my parents were divorced very young, and I spent alternate weekends at my dad's, and my mom didn't have a TV, so if it was a two-parter, I was screwed. Uh-huh. But 
I really could not stand on the show the fact that every week, no matter what had happened the week before, Kolchak's boss refused to believe that there's a freaking <laughs> yeah. mummy walking the streets. But, and, but, but that now actor, today, that actor only played parts like that. But today, so I, mean, I, I mean, only played people. You, who you watch something like The X Files yeah. that has this convoluted, massive mythology, where, and yeah. I go, "Wouldn't it be great if just every week they just started from scratch?" As like, yeah. What do you mean? I mean, Kolchak, a zombie? Are you out of your mind? Bigfoot was here last week. Yeah. Ah, but now you're saying werewolves. <laughs> that's good, that's like that's sort of like the straw man. This. One of my favorite straw men is the the doctor in Patch Adams. It's like, stop making these children laugh. Oh. You, you sat all the way through that. I'm friends with Robin. <laughs> <laughs> these children are laughing. It was like the Burgermeister Meister Burger yeah. from Year Without a Santa Claus. It's like, could you be more two dimensional, please? Uh, but I do. I love. I I love that movie, and it is. Yeah, it's uh, the remake could not have been. The yeah. remake was, you know, it's like, it was just, hey, couldn't have done it more wrong. Congratulations. It was perfectly, such a, perfectly terrible on, in every regard. Uh, it was such a great era, too, for the, I mean, I don't know if I yeah, fully TV appreciate it back then, but you go back, there's so many great, yeah, thrillers. Dual Trilogy of Terror, all these, yeah. Gargoyles. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. all these things. That, What's the, these, um, the Kim Kim Darby and the things under the... People Under the Stairs? No, the one that Guillermo del Toro... Oh, no, uh, Bad Jonah. Ronald? No. Oh, Bad Ronald. Bad Ronald's great. Fantastic, yeah. yeah. Somebody Joe, should remake Joe, that. Joe, Kim Darby, Under the Stairs, The Things. Oh, uh, I was distracted. You had one job. True, get, true <laughs> Grit 2, Under the Stairs? What the heck is that thing? She moves into that. I was just talking to a friend the other day. It starts out with um, uh, five minutes of just establishing shots of a house and a car as the two characters just do exposition dialogue over it to establish that they bought this house. It's the worst opening ever, but it's the one where, yeah, the little creatures grab her from under the stairs and Guillermo del Toro produced a remake a year ago. Oh, it's People Under the Stairs. Is it People Under the No, yeah. no, no, that's, that's Wes Craven. What the hell is that thing? Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we've to... Got, we've got the living encyclopedia of film here. If there's only a it's way to find Living encyclopedia is having and, trouble and, making uh, his phone stop. Anyway, so that's the last of your... Um, those are my favorites. Those are my favorites those are, today. Those are, yes, exactly. They're my favorites exactly. today. And, and you'll be back tomorrow to tell us yeah. your favorites <laughs> tomorrow. Um... Those are great. I mean, I, I I love all those. Yeah, those I was are, prepared to sit in judgment. And, no, 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 I played. Oh, you played expected nothing less. I played it pretty safe. Um, but Ed Wood is really a Ed Wood is like a triptych. It's like there's it's like it's like it's true. It's, it's like Ed Wood, Plan Nine, and Matinee are sort of yeah. like a perfect little triptych of those of those yeah. movies. I, They're I all guess. they all. I'm about to, to replace same, my beautiful same, French. They all go to the same matinee. muscle. There's a, there's a British Blu-ray now of matinee. Is that correct? There's a there's there's a whole bunch of Blu-rays. I've got the French I, I don't even one, know what they're I using. To... I mean, it's it's just out of my hands. I mean, are these things come out. There's a Burbs Blu-ray. Yes, that's got that's from, from Arrow. England, that's got that's got the rough cut. The entire of the thing. movie yeah. in the, with with the, all the tap music. Yeah, as the, as the feature or I assume no, they got it from no as an extra. extra. Oh, I assume they got that from you. Like, I don't want that out. No, I don't, it's fine. I don't mind. But I just am um, uh, amazed. It's like, <laughs> nobody's going to check out this music. Nobody's going <laughs> to. Shh. Don't be no, afraid. Everything's it's actually, free it's actually, now. It's actually an interesting <laughs> comparison, so I didn't, I didn't mind it. But yeah. Don't um, be afraid of the dark. That's oh, the don't be afraid of the dark. That was killing me. What did I say? People on the stairs? People on the stairs. Same thing. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> so, so wait, and so you've also brought us but, three, three movies you yeah. want to... Yeah, turn the, people on to. Yeah, the, la, the, la, the last thing I'll say oh, is yeah. there's a great early 70s feel at Night Gallery, which is better oh. in theory than in practice. Mm. Uh, but uh, 
that I loved it. Uh, when I did Stand Against Evil, uh, my show, I said, I want this to look like an early 70s TV movie oh. produced by Dan Curtis. Yes. And I gave them House of Dark Shadows. And I said, the Robert Cobert soundtrack, I want it to sound like this. And the directors, the first season directors, really brilliant guys, a, a team, two, uh, two guys uh, directed it. But they were from the 80s, and they were they were lighting it and scoring it like with synth. And I was like, no, you're, oh. you're a decade later. You're yeah. a decade mm-hmm. later. And, and then they did the, you know, they saw what I was, got it and got it instantly. And they're, they're named Jack Bishop and Justin Jim. I want to give them a shout out because they're terrific. Um and uh, and it really does. It looks. It, it has a lot of that, like boom, like the xylophone, low end yeah, xylophone, yeah. and a lot of slow zooms and a lot of brown, uh, you know, uh, avocado green, <laughs> a lot of avocado <laughs> green in the kitchen. Uh, the the three movies that I that I I tell people about, the, the, the obviously these rotate too. But one, I think you would like this movie. You're probably very familiar with it. Uh, it's called Giants and Toys. I am familiar with it, but I've never seen it. It's well. It's basically the guy that made it. It's it's the Japanese yes will success spoil yes. rock. In fact, I have yes. a DVD of it. Yes. I've yeah, never me watched too, it. which I have not. Yeah, and it, it's well. Here's the you know, it, and it's I want to get the guy's name right. It, it was directed, written, directed by a Japanese guy whose name is in here. Yeah, Yasuzo Masamura, and it is made 1958. Not that kind of movie. No, no. no. <laughs> Just cut this part out. Hello. Hi. I sent I sent you an email, but um, uh, I'm I'm not done yet. So can you just park? Okay. Bye. God damn it! I didn't mean to watch that. <laughs> one one thing you just cut at. that part out. Oh, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> one thing that one thing that we do on my show that I started doing this year is that when anybody talks on the phone, even if it's a very serious situation, when people talk on the phone, they go hello, and then you hear. <laughs> it's where? <laughs> no, they're all dead. <laughs> all right, I'm coming. <laughs> and the network said, "You're gonna cut that?" I was like, "No, no, is that no? That's it. That's, are we gonna hear the deputy? No, that's it. That's." <laughs> oh, I thought you meant on the show. I'm, I thought you meant on your podcast. I thought that was even. No, it's on Standing Against we'll Evil. We'll do that on the. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or we just put. I like the Charlie Brown voices too. The the, the adults. <laughs> They never do like, like, hello. They've dropped an atom bomb on New York. Millions are dead. (laughs) (laughs) When that wave hits, 80 million people will be wiped out. Lauren Green, tidal waves. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a satire of, of, of corporate uh, enthusiasm. And it's about three competing candy companies in Tokyo in the late fifties. And, the uh, Apollo, Apollo candies, giant candies, and uh, world amalgamated uh, uh, candies, and world amalgamated candies as a uh, stunt uh, hires a spokeswoman with horrible teeth, <laughs> and the theory being that candy is so good it rotted their teeth out instantly, <laughs> and she becomes a crazy power mad like she it goes to her head and it's just it's brilliant it's like World successful Royal rock hunter and it's got that great sort of Toho. Uh, super bright colors, super mid-century sets, and it's fast, and it's it's just it's gorgeous movie. And uh, uh, if you uh, love film, and it's like if you like Frank Tashlin and and that kind of stuff, uh, Giants and Toys is, is really great. That's so funny. Yeah, I have the same probably the same edition, and it's one of those like oh, I think I it has a trailer. It's just sitting on my shelf for a couple of years. Yeah, has it got a trailer? 
Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, do it for you know, yeah. this website. Spread dude. the word. Yeah, it's a great, it's a, it's a great. <clears throat> um, and the other one is, I believe it came out. It's a early two thousands. It's called "He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not," with uh, Audrey Tatu, who was Amelie. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's a brilliant movie about uh, a young woman who is having an affair with uh, a, her professor, her married professor, and they're going to meet and he's gonna you know he's um she he's gonna leave his wife for her and uh his wife suffers a miscarriage and she's gonna meet him at the airport and they're gonna take off together and he doesn't show up at the airport and she gets depressed and and she goes to try and kill herself and at that point in this sort of love affair gone wrong halfway through the movie the movie stops and rewinds to the beginning and they show the movie going backwards to the beginning and then they tell the story from the professor's point of view and you realize that she's a stalker and he doesn't even know her (laughs) oh wow and and it's all about it's a great story of an unreliable narrator and perception and it's brilliant and you see that uh, his wife had a miscarriage because this woman attacked her <laughs> and like oh. all of these things that you don't see and mm-hmm. but it all dovetails perfectly it's just that you're looking at it you're seeing the situation from her point of view right and then you see it from uh, and then you see it from his point and of view and repeat the title again he, he loves, loves me, me he, he loves, loves me, me not. not I'm just running it it's down. really great and and the and I guess you know the third, there's so many that you can always do. Like a face in the crowd is one of those things. It's just like if you haven't seen it, you should see it because you're living it. I, I feel like yeah, I feel like that was getting a lot of traction lately. Yeah. Look out for him. He's mean. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Andy Griffith, another sensational newcomer from Ilya Kazan, who brought you Marlon Brando and James Dean and Carol Baker. I'm not just an entertainer. I'm an influence, a wielder of opinion, a force. A force. Oh, if they ever heard the way that psycho really talks. They're mine. I own them. They think like I do. But they're even more stupid than I am. (laughs) So I gotta think for them. One of the greatest characterizations ever put on the screen in the whole history of motion pictures. Man, I'm just a country boy. (laughs) But if the president tries to stop me, I'll flood the White House. With millions of telegrams. Huh? Didn't yeah. AMC run it after like, yeah, right they after ran the, the election, election for yeah, they have, yeah. Uh, and I think they're trying to make it into a musical. And Elvis Costello is right. Yes, you are oh, correct. That's that yeah. is correct. Yeah. yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, and uh, the last too late though. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, you yeah. never know. There'll yeah. be something worse around the corner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh no, there there will be something worse. Every that's why it's it's everything that's happened. Has happened before. It's just now it's a little bit worse, you know. When when I was watching a documentary on Prince on the anniversary of his death, and my dad, I was home and my dad walked by the television and went, "Oh, little Richard died." Oh, <laughs> and I was like, "He's kind of right though, you know. Prince is just little Richard, just a little yeah. bit more." And somewhere out there, there's Trump, but more. I don't know. Where. Oh yeah, yeah. No, somewhere there's a Trump a, who's not a moron. Somewhere there's is. an orangutan that likes to shoot people with a super soaker full of cat pee, and he just got elected <laughs> to a school board. Um, oh, I'm, I'm more worried about the intelligent one, the one whose brain is not being. Yeah, well, like Ted Cruz is, is Ted Cruz is more dangerous than Trump if he got it because he's. Well, I th- hopefully, Trump's killed him. <laughs> and even more lovable politically. I mean, yeah, right. I know. <laughs> you know, Al Lewis 
but not as but more creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. It is. Trust. Uh, and the lot for what you know, this is a totally random uh, rotate. But uh, there's a movie called Infection, which is a Japanese horror movie from 2004. Oh. Not unlike uh, He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not. Uh, at the end of the movie, you realize you're watching a totally different movie. Uh, that but everything dovetails nicely. You like these switcheroos. I, I well, yeah, I like I like uh, you know clocks. I like well built clocks. Uh, uh, but you know, uh, those are, those are all, uh, those are great. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny you use, I, I always use the sort of the, uh, the Swiss, the Swiss timing analogy for, yeah. for great scripts. Um, I remember in fact, I think like coming out of Charlie Varick, which Joe knows, Charlie. I, will, I will never stop talking about, but it was the first time I ever thought like, that's something that someone built that story. Yeah. You know, like, but the thing that Charlie Varick, the thing that we really take away from Charlie Varick is that any woman, when she sees Walter Matthau... Oh, we'll fall into bed with him. We'll fall into bed. <laughs> yeah, of course. I don't, it's, what it's are like, you saying? It's like Dorothy yeah. Lamour in The Big Sleep. Uh, and he walks in the books, he's like, hello. <laughs> he looks like a basset hound. Oh, come he on. Like now, I nothing, nothing is better than, than Janet Leigh looking at Frank Sinatra sweating and trying to light a cigarette in Manchurian Candidate and going, I must have that. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's a very interesting character in that movie, though, because it's not... It's not Necessarily, what it appears. It's a, it's a that movie. Talk about a movie with layers. Yeah, I mean, that, there's a lot going on. In, but in there's still that. Canada. I mean, there's. I see. I I'm not a fan of that movie. No, no. I love Seven Days in May. I think Seven Days in May is a far superior movie. Really? No, I, I like them both. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm big Frank and I'm a fan. So yeah, yeah. Well, and for good reason. Um, uh, the uh, you're just oh, it, it just left me. But you were talking about Janet Leigh. Um, Talking about uh, like an actor, like you see an actor's strengths and an actor's weaknesses. Charlton Heston cannot play romantic, <laughs> and when you, in Touch of Evil, yeah. there's a scene where he looks at Janet Leigh. They're on their honeymoon, and he goes, "The line is, do you realize I haven't kissed you in over an hour?" <laughs> and his delivery is, "Do you realize I haven't kissed you in over an hour?" <laughs> and it's like you're gonna you're gonna kill this poor woman. <laughs> No, he's really good when he picks up the guy and drags him down the bar by his shirt collar. Yeah, he can't be soft. <laughs> yes. He can't be yes. soft. Although now that you mentioned that, that is that is my one. I always wince a little bit. I love love. There's the scene in Ed Wood when he meets Orson Welles at, at yeah. his Musos, and but but the, the bit where Orson is is complaining about Charlton Heston being a Mexican in his yeah. film. I just thought that's well. It's also not. It's it's not fair because it's, if exactly it if it wasn't for Heston, he wouldn't, yeah. have, gotten he wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't have gotten the job. Yeah, and, and I mean so it's a funny line. He never line would have said that. Yeah. How do you resist yeah, that line? Yeah, he never would have said that. Yeah, he never no. would have said. But how do you resist that line? I understand. Yeah. But, but he wasn't. He was cast in the movie. Yeah, and then he brought in. Yeah, he was cast, and then he said, "Well, and no, they wanted Wells to play the heavy." And he yeah, said, because he was the heavy in the in the picture they had just made, yeah. right. uh, Man in the Shadow, right. and he knew Zug Smith because Zug right. Smith was the, the producer, and and uh, and and it was like, well, why don't you just let Orson do it? And yeah. the studio said, well, okay. And apparently, they loved the picture yeah. until yeah. they saw it together, yeah. and then they went, oh no. But uh, according to Wells, he said, "I'm." They were happy. They were, you know, they're they're looking at the dailies, telling me how great everything was, you know. And then, you know, oh my God, what's he done? Oh, that's so funny. But it's it's yeah no it's just I always wince because it is one of the it's, it's one of the good things. <laughs> he deserves credit for that. Yeah no um, Hester was he also he had a you know uh, 
interracial romance in the Omega Man in right, 1971. That's right. No, that's right. Which also has him. I love that scene of him watching Woodstock and lip syncing. It's movies, baby. <laughs> They do. They parody that scene in the Simpsons Omega Man parody. Oh yeah, that's right. That's yes, one yeah. Of my favorite yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I love like he di- He gets killed in the fountain that's also at the beginning of Friends. It's the same fountain on the Warner Ranch, and he's in this Christ-like pose. Yeah. He's like, "All right, get over yourself, Gerald. <laughs> what if I died like Jesus? That'd probably be good, huh?" Well, I, I give him credit. Kind of I mean, he invented form. science fiction. Well, but in the yeah. you know in the in the in, exactly. in, in the in the picture in the picture that it's a remake of the Last Man on yeah. Earth, uh, Vincent Price also dies in a Christ-like position in a in a cathedral with a big yeah, cross. But it's the great line like, "I'm a man and you're all freaks." It's like well, that's <laughs> pretty damning coming from you. I mean, <laughs> who's the straight man, Vincent Price? No, no, no. I know it's a horror movie. <laughs> who's the normal guy that we relate to, Vincent Price? You're not listening to me. Uh, well, I don't know. It's, I, we should, I, Dana. Thank you so much for coming My down pleasure. and doing this. Right, I, I, I'll come down anytime. If you want to come down next week with uh, down. eight more movies, and I'll we'll, come just, down. we'll just do this again. Absolutely, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. Uh, it was Be wonderful. Careful what you wish for, pal. <laughs> uh, do we do we have any house cleaning, Joe? Anything we're supposed to shout out to the world? Uh, no, because we don't know when this is going to be on. Exactly, so we, don't we know nothing. Date ourselves, <laughs> right? This is, uh, well, okay. Well, you've been listening to the Trailers from Hell podcast uh, with Dana Gould. God bless President Pence. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Joe Dante, and I'm your host, Josh Olson. Thank you for listening. Our show is recorded in Hollywood, California, at the crossroads of the world. We are the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is Don Barrett, who also wrote, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.